Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Shager, joined in the studio today with Abby Jensen, a trans woman, attorney, activist, vice president, and general counsel for Southern Arizona Gender Alliance, a member of the Board of Directors of Equality Arizona, and chair of Tucson's GLBT Advisory Commission. November is Trans Awareness Month, and we've invited Abby Jensen to come in and share with us what's happening this month in Tucson. Thank you very much, Amanda. Thanks for coming in. As we're getting started, it should be noted that later this evening at 5.30 today at the Old Main Fountain, there will be an observance for Transgender Day of Remembrance. Tell us about that. Transgender Day of Remembrance was started in 1999 by Gwendolyn Ann Smith, a trans woman in the Bay Area. It was uh, founded in memory of a trans woman named Rita Hester, who was murdered in Boston in, in 1998, and her uh, nephew, Ethan St. Pierre, is a trans man who was involved in that. It's gone on every year since then to remember the trans women and trans people who have been murdered in the last 12 months all over the world, and uh, most, almost all of whom are, are trans women of color. When did Tucson begin participating in this international event? My understanding is that Tucson's first Trans Day of Remembrance observance was in 2000, so the the second year after it was held, and it's been held every year since then. It's For the last several years, it's been a collaboration between SAGA, the Southern Arizona Gender Alliance, the LGBTQ Affairs Office at the University of Arizona, and their Pride Alliance. And then next week on November 28th, in conjunction with The Loft and with Kodak, there's going to be a movie called Tangerine. Tell us about that. Tangerine is a, an amazing movie uh, that stars two transgender women who were actually friends before they starred in the movie. It's about a Christmas Eve where one of them, Cindy's the character, was released from jail and discovers that her boyfriend and pimp has gone off with another woman and they spend the day together uh, experiencing life. And Maya Taylor, who plays Cindy, uh, was the first transgender actress to win a major film award. She won the Best Female Actor Award from the Independent Spirits Awards in 2015. And that's at The Loft on the 28th at the movie Tangerine at Saga Movie Night at the Loft Cinema. We're very excited about this showing. The the producers of the movie have waived all their royalties, so Saga will benefit from all of the ticket sales uh, at the movie. We're very grateful to The Loft and to Kodak, who is helping us for the expenses of the theater. Tell us about what Saga does. Why does Saga exist? Saga was founded in 1998 as a grassroots organization that makes it one of the oldest transgender support and advocacy organizations in the country. We have six or seven different monthly support group meetings for peoples of different identities. One of the meetings is our Saga General meeting on the first Monday of the month, which is open to the public and usually involves an educational component about an issue that the trans community faces. We do a lot of education and training of employers, of governments, of 
really anyone who wants to know more about about transgender people. Through grants, we this year have had two job fairs for a transgender community where we also train employers on how to create an open uh, workplace for trans people. And we are working with the homeless shelters in town to do training of their staff on how to be welcoming and respectful for transgender homeless people. Those are our major uh, events in conjunction with the election, which has raised a lot of fears in the trans community about what's going to happen uh, in the next four years. Last uh, Thursday, we arranged a special safe place for that we opened for nine hours so anybody in the community could come talk about whatever was bothering them and just be in community and and that was very well received and we had a lot of people there and I think it helped to do some healing for our community. What would you like to address? Well, I think one of the most important things for people to understand about the, the trans community is the extremely high rate of violence against our community. Worldwide this year there's been well, I should say since last November 20th, there's been approximately 300 trans people murdered around the world. So that's one person every 29 hours. Almost all of those are trans women of color because they suffer from the intersections of oppression because of racism and sexism and transphobia and poverty. Here in the United States, Last year, there were 21 trans people murdered in the calendar year, which was a record. Uh, this year, there's been 24 so far, and the, uh, the year is, is not yet over. It's a very tragic situation. The, the discrimination against trans people in housing, in shelters, and especially employment, plus the cost of transition and the fact that until very recently, almost every Health insurance policy specifically excluded coverage for the costs of transition means that often members of our community have no other recourse but to resort to the street economy, especially sex work, to survive. And that puts them in danger and leads to a lot of violence against their community. But it's not just those people who are attacked. Three years ago, Island Nettles was in New York City walking down the street, across the street from a police station. And some guys were coming the other way, and they started catcalling them. And then they, one of them said to the other that, oh, well, that's a man. And so the guy that had been catcalling went over and beat her to death. You know, that kind of random violence happens regularly. I think it was in 2013, C.C. McDonald was walking down the street uh, in Milwaukee, I believe it was, and uh, it was late at night. She and some friends were going to a convenience store, and they walked by a bar, and a group of four or five people started heckling them, calling them names I don't care to repeat, and a fight ensued. She got hit in the face with a beer glass that severed her salivary gland. She protected herself, and in the course of that, the, the main attacker died and she ended up spending four years in prison because of of that incident because she was walking down the street and she defended herself it's a really tragic situation we're 
relatively fortunate here in Arizona. Since 2005 or so, which is the amount of time I've really been involved in these issues, uh, there's been three trans people, all trans women of color, murdered in the, in the state of Arizona, two in Phoenix and one in Yuma. One of the really tragic things about the violence against our community is that first the police often misgender the victims, uh, regardless of whether they've legally changed their names or their identification, they will be dead named, we call it, and misgendered. And then oftentimes the attackers will try and claim what we call a transpanic defense, which is, oh, well, you know, when I discovered this was really a man, I just lost it, and that's why I killed him. And so, you know, it's really not my fault. And Unfortunately, that has been successful in at least reducing the crimes that people uh, have faced. The person who murdered Amancio Corrales in Yuma, the prosecutor there uh, was afraid that the defendant was going to raise that defense and so allowed him to plea bargain to manslaughter instead of what should have been first-degree murder. And I find that, that really tragic that people are able to use their own prejudice as a way to justify their violence against our community. You're listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Joined in the studio today with Abby Jensen, a trans woman, attorney, activist, vice president and general counsel for Southern Arizona Gender Alliance, a member of the board of directors of Equality Arizona, and chair of Tucson's GLBT Advisory Commission. We're discussing Trans Awareness Month. This is the 11th year that Saga Tucson has been observing this month and educating our community. Uh, Later today at 5.30 p.m., there's the Transgender Day of Awareness at the Fountain at Old Main. As I was talking about, you know, the discrimination against trans people is one of the causes that violence is so endemic. And we are lucky here in Tucson in that Tucson was one of the first cities in the country to amend their non-discrimination ordinance to protect trans people. And the programs at the university that they have has, has made Tucson one of the best places in the country to be transgender. And people move here to transition because of that. There are four other cities in Arizona who have similar non-discrimination ordinance, Phoenix, Tempe, Flagstaff, and Sedona, but there's no statewide protections at all, and that's one of the goals of Equality Arizona and SAGA is to enact a statewide non-discrimination protections for all lesbian, gay, bisexual, and, and transgender people. In 2013, now Senator John Kavanaugh, who was then chair of the House Appropriations Committee, introduced a bill that would have made it a crime for trans people to use the restroom that didn't match their birth certificate, which is a significant problem because most people cannot change their birth certificates legally because of the requirements that various states put in place for doing that. Fortunately, he withdrew that bill after a lot of public pressure. He substituted another bill that uh, would have overridden Tucson's ordinance with respect to protections for restrooms and similar spaces. That bill died in the legislature, fortunately, uh, 
it was pushed aside because that was the year that Jan Brewer and the legislature were fighting over the expansion of Medicaid and enacting a budget. So we've been very fortunate here, but we continue to fear that kind of legislation is going to come back, especially given the success of HB2 in North Carolina. I'm not sure it's been successful because they've lost over $400 million and thousands of jobs because of the business reaction to that law. But this year, there are over 200 anti-LGBT bills introduced across the country. Approximately 40 of those were specifically anti-transgender. Only two of those passed, which we were very grateful for. But there's no question, especially with the election of Donald Trump, that we are going to face a a similar avalanche of of anti-trans bills in 2017. Resisting all of this legislation seems like it must constitute a, a lot of awareness, a lot of activism, a lot of work. It is. And one of the problems in Arizona is we do not have a statewide transgender advocacy organization to coordinate these things. Funding for transgender organizations and issues in general is woefully inadequate. A study of funding from 2013 found that across the United States, of of every $100 that was donated to an LGBT advocacy organization, one penny was donated to, to transgender organizations. And of the top 25 organizations in that survey, the number 25 had received a total of $30,000 over a three-year period. SOG is very fortunate in that we have had ongoing support from the Alliance Fund, a local foundation, but we don't have the funding yet to be able to do all that needs to be done. In order to enact a statewide non-discrimination law, we need to have a a long-term public education program all over the state to build a grassroots movement to support and convince legislatures that not only is this the right thing to do to protect people against discrimination based on things that have nothing to do with their worth or their ability, but it's also good for business. Businesses who support their transgender employees discover that they earn very loyal and very productive employees. Businesses look at states now to see what protections they have for their LGBT employees and make choices on where to locate because of that. And that is one of the primary reasons that North Carolina is suffering so greatly because of their anti-trans bill, HB2, that was passed earlier this year. So we hope those arguments can eventually be persuasive, but although there's been non-discrimination bills introduced in the legislature over the last several years, none of them have ever been assigned to a committee for review. None of them have ever had a public hearing. So there's been no real opportunity to demonstrate to the legislature why this kind of protection is good for Arizona. Abby Jensen, tell us more about what HB2 is, what it meant for people, and also, that was there not a similar legislation in Texas? There was a similar dispute in Texas. So what happened in Houston was that the city council there uh, amended their non-discrimination ordinance to protect 
21 different types of people, including veterans and pregnant women, also included protections for LGBT people. The uh, conservatives in that community focused on the LGBT and especially the protections for trans people, managed to collect enough signatures to put their the Houston Equal Rights Amendment or HERO on the ballot to be repealed. And their campaign was entirely focused on a fear-mongering campaign that protecting, allowing trans people to use the restroom that matches who they are would put especially women and, and girls at risk, that it would allow men to use women's restrooms. Because of that campaign, the Houston Equal Rights Amendment was repealed. Now, the HB2 was then passed in an emergency session in North Carolina in March of this year. It repeals all North Carolina city ordinances protecting LGBT people, and it specifically requires that in public buildings that trans people are only permitted to use the restroom that matches their gender identity. Again, the same sort of fear-mongering campaign about trans people was used in support of that. The ACLU and the U.S. Department of Justice are suing to invalidate that statute as both uh, illegal under federal statutes that bar discrimination in employment in particular and education, and as a violation of the Equal Protection Clause of the U.S. Constitution. The fact is that trans people are already so afraid of being harassed or even assaulted in spaces like restrooms that we are very careful not to draw attention to ourselves. We want to get in and we want to get out with as little notice as possible. The fact is that those are very dangerous spaces for trans people, that trans people get harassed, trans people get assaulted in restrooms by other people who object to who we are. So we are not the predators. And 300 anti-domestic violence organizations around the country signed a petition saying that HB2 and similar bans do not protect women, that domestic violence and sexual assault do not happen in restrooms. They happen in homes. Almost all sexual assaults result from someone who the victim already knows. It's not a stranger in a public place where that, where that happens. So it's all a vast lie, but it does appeal to people's fears and this sense that women's restrooms in particular are supposed to be safe places. What they ignore in, in all of this debate is the fact that there are lots of trans men. So people who are assigned female at birth, who have transitioned and now live on men, many of whom have been on testosterone, they are very muscular, they are bearded, and everything else. A bill like HB2 means that these men are going to be in the women's restrooms. So the thing that they most fear of having men in women's restrooms is exactly what's going to happen. But no one seems to care about trans men. That you know, They don't care if trans men are in the men's restroom. They just don't want someone like me being in the women's restroom because somehow I'm scary. When you say someone like you, describe what that means. Well, I was assigned male at birth, and for over 50 years of my life, everybody, including me, mistakenly thought I was a guy. And uh, I eventually 
came to the realization that that's not really who I am, that transition and living uh, my life as my authentic self, as as Abby, has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. It's brought peace. It's brought comfort. It's brought joy to my life like I've never experienced before. I'm very fortunate because I'm well-educated. I already had an established career. I'm white. And so I haven't experienced most of the discrimination and harassment that happens to most transgender women, transgender women of color in particular. But those things are still a reality. And even for me, it's one of the most painful experiences to have someone mistake me for a man and to misgender me. It just cuts to the quick because the experience of being transgender is so much about people not recognizing who we are and invalidating what we know about ourselves. And so whenever that happens, it's a very painful experience. So I really encourage people, if you know someone who is transgender or you meet someone whose gender you're not sure about, ask them what their name is. Ask them how they identify. Ask them which pronouns they use to describe themselves. That's one of the most wonderful things that a person can do for another trans person is to care enough about who they are to want to find out and to be respectful when they talk about trans people. So I really appreciate having the opportunity to be here and to help educate the KXI listeners about trans people in the community here in Tucson. So again, tonight at 5.30 at the Old Main Fountain is Tucson's annual observance of the International Transgender Day of Remembrance. People can find out more about Saga, the services we provide, our meeting schedule, etc., at sagatucson.org. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Our guest today was Abby Jensen, trans woman, attorney, activist, vice president, and general counsel for Southern Arizona Gender Alliance. Thank you, Amanda. You're welcome, and we'll be sure to have you back again with updates. We would appreciate that very, very much.